Right now we will have the sermon brought to us by Lawrence Gregory, pastor, entitled, Hope Thou in God. My subject today is hope. This is a very important characteristic of a Christian. In its several forms of hope, hopeth, hoping, hoped, is used 142 times in the English form from several Greek and Hebrew words. Its basic meaning is expectation, anticipation, trust or confident, and is an important companion to faith and love. Also, a key companion in several phrases accompanying salvation. We never see the negative word uh, that's translated uh, into English like uh, hopeless, but the word hope is used one time meaning despair from the Greek. Without hope, no hope, hopeless, from which we also get the synonyms, desperation, discouragement, and despondent from that one Greek word that is translated meaning despair, but it's in the English is translated hope. We'll look at that a little later. There are obviously more references uh, in the positive side and we're not going to be able to look at all of 142 today. So we have a few references and probably leave out some of the favorite, uh, very important, very key references that we're so familiar with. Uh, first, I'm going to focus on a few of the, if we can say, negative references to hope. Then we'll come back and conclude on a more positive, uplifting uh, uh, scriptures referencing hope. Our first reference is in Ephesians, the second chapter, and verse 11 through 13, Ephesians 2, 11, 13. Wherefore, remember that uh, you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. And so Paul is saying that the Gentiles, in their religions and without knowing the true God, yes, in some of their religions they had a false hope, but for many of them, atheistic, godless, and we see that even today and down through the ages since the time of Adam and Eve, that those who don't know God and who do not have a religious sense of a future destiny are miserable and have no hope. But contrarywise to that, those who have no hope can find that as we have in Christ Jesus. Now, let's go back to Job, book of Job, and uh, chapter 8. 
verse 13. And he's talking about uh, the um, things of nature that grow up and are cut down and withers and they just die. Verse 13, so are the paths of all that forget God. And the hypocrites' hope shall perish. Whose hope shall be cut off and whose trust shall be a spider's whip? He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. And he uses other following references from nature. One time, uh, and I mentioned part of this, but uh, a few years ago, from my maple tree to the south part of my house, right next to my deck, a spider had come down and strung a line to the house right over the deck rail. And in the evening, I would, uh, when it would begin to get dark, I would go out there in my room and watch, and Janice and I watched that spider. And the spider would come down that uh, thread a portion way and tie onto it, I guess, and then go down and anchor that web down a little bit and come back up to the web and go over and send out several um, attachments as it was unfolding that web. Now, I thought spiders every night just spun a new web, but this one didn't. Then in the morning, it would just do it in the reverse as it would lay there, you know, uh, waiting in the, and then crawl back up on the web and wait there for bugs and things to come through and fly into it, I guess, and catch its meal. And so it would go down and unattach one of the lines and come back up and go over and unattach. Then it would go back up to the top of the web and it would stretch that web and it would collapse up like this. Then the spider would go back up into the tree. And I watched that for several months, evening and morning, as I would have occasion. And then with the Feast of Tabernacles and uh, something happened when I came back, it was no longer there. It had perished. It had gone. It was destroyed. It's never come back. I don't know what happened to it. But that's the way the hypocrite's hope is. Just like a spider's web. That's web and it's there, but uh, it's baseless and it's subject to being crushed and destroyed. And so... The hypocrite, their hope is vain and useless. Now, in uh, Luke, let's go to Luke, the sixth chapter, because this is a, a little bit difficult to uh, see and to understand at the first, but maybe I can help us just a little bit here. This, uh, in Luke, the 31st chapter is the beginning, uh, 31st verse, Luke 6. Let me get there. Verse 31, uh, we know this as the golden rule, as you would that men should do to you, do you also to them. Now we're just breaking into the midst of his preaching here, very similar to uh, some of the Beatitudes that he's mentioned like back in uh, earlier verses and in Matthew the 5th through the 7th chapter, but we're just breaking into the thought here. Uh, the golden rule, do unto others as we would have them do unto you. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do good and do the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love you your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And you 
And your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now this last, the second use of this word hoping in verse 35 is not the normal Greek word that's translated in a positive way of having hope, anticipation, expectation. But this is the word that is translated in the uh, Greek for uh, despair. In the, and uh, it comes from the Greek, uh, a different Greek word. Let me read here from uh, Goodspeed's uh, translation. Maybe this will help us just a little bit and just something to think about. But love your enemies and help them and lend them never despairing. And you will be richly rewarded and you will be the sons of the Most High for he is kind even to the ungrateful and to the wicked. And he goes on. Never did, well, why would we despair in lending to someone? Now, Reg and I were talking about this uh, some, a few months ago, and I don't know what it is about me or, or what it is about him, but it seems like people sure hit me up a lot for handouts. Almost go in the grocery store and come back out or pumping gas, there's somebody hitting me up for some. How many of you experienced that? And it seems like, well, okay, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, next to the last time uh, this happened, I'll, I'll back up just uh, a few weeks, uh, Janice and I were coming out of the store and a guy hit me up and he was telling me about, he was from another town down by Oklahoma City and his visiting mother in the hospital and he had his alternator went out and he spent all his money and he needed some money to get back home. So I gave him a few dollars and went onto the car and my wife said, did you give the guy some money? And I said, yes. And she said, well, look over there in the pickup. There's four guys over there. One of them was standing up there with the door, and he was hitting people up for money. And they were smoking their cigarettes and laughing. And so I went on. I got to think about it, and I decided I was going to go back by there after we went on another little errand and, and talk to the guy and maybe get my money back. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, fortunately, they had laughed because that might have been dangerous, you know. But, uh, you know, I was kind of... Uh, unhappy or aggravated, despairing, just discouraged a little bit that those guys would do that. Now I know, there's, I know we have to use wisdom and I'm not saying give, but because if you go back in verse 30 here it says, give to every man that asks you. And of him that takes away your goods, ask him not again, as you would have people do it. So if you see, like the Good Samaritan, somebody that's in the street wounded, they, they have a real legitimate need and you can help that person, you know you can. But other people, you know, we have to be careful, don't we? Uh, the, there are people that probably have more money than you, and I, I've, I've thought about maybe uh, I start, start asking, show me your billful, how much money you got? Maybe you got more money than I can. Maybe you can help me a little bit here, you know. <laughs> but isn't that the way we feel normally? It kind of gripes us a little bit when we give, he, see people that ask us for money like that. Now, if we know they have a real need, if they're really poor and we know... We feel good about helping people, don't we? But we're all, we're just troubled a little bit uh, about uh, helping people. Uh, and in the English, it's a little difficult to, if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, uh, what thank have you? So, somebody that you know has, has a need and you loan them money, just loan it to them and don't expect it. Give them what you have. If you give them everything you've got, then you're going to have to be asking. So just help them out, but don't expect anything back. They pay you back because, this is the key, because God will reward us. Now, I know somewhere, the few bucks I gave the guy, it came back to me in some way. God bless me. And I feel good about that. But 
I was kind of aggravated about the whole situation. And uh, I know I had been used and uh, others, but I don't know, you know, um, well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that. Let's go on to uh, uh, Proverbs, back up to Proverbs 11th chapter. We'll hustle along here. Uh, Proverbs 11th chapter, and um, let's see, what uh, verse, verse 7? You're already there ahead of me. When a wicked man dies, his expectations shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perish. Evil, wicked men have an expectation. They have a hope of something. But when they die, that's it. That's the end of it. It just ends. It perishes. The hope of an unjust man perishes. So, here's the thing. We don't want to be wicked, and we don't want to be unjust. We want to be righteous, and we want to be just. Then, the converse, the indication would be, then our expectation, our hope, would be realized and would be uh, just and Romans, the fourth chapter. Now, there's a lot in Romans, but we won't uh, turn to all the references in Romans. Just one verse here, uh, and it's an illustration and an example from Abraham's life, who had great faith and belief. We know his, he's held out to us as a great example of belief, but... Uh, in Romans, the fourth chapter, just break into verse 18, talking about uh, Abraham, who, against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, and neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So, hope against hope, what does that mean? Well, it means that so many things were against him, it just looked like a, a hopeless situation. He was about 100 years old and his wife's 75, beyond childbearing, and uh, he's going to have children. And, you know, that was an exercise in faith, who, against hope, believed in hope. Now, we're going to see as we progress through here a little later the companionship of uh, faith and hope and love and mercy and grace. There's a relationship with all of these. And so we believe, but the expectation between the belief and the realization of that is what carries us. We, we hope we're going to have this. We hope. Now, if I say, I'm going to give you $10 and I give you $10, you've got $10. You don't hope for $10. If I say, I'm going to give you $10, you can order that hoping. I hope he gives me $10. I hope he gives it to me. Maybe let's make it 1000 That sounds more. You'd hope more than 1000 than $10, right? Okay. So, uh, Abraham had a lot of things against hope, but he hoped, and that hope was realized. Now, let's go on to uh, 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verse 9. 
we'll just leave this then with this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9. Um, 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now in Christ, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And we know, you know, the process of salvation and believing in Jesus Christ. But there are a lot of people, brethren, aren't there, that are frustrated and aggravated because they don't have any hope. They don't have any expectation beyond. And I know there's false religions that have false hope beyond uh, this life. And uh, it's not going to be uh, as they are expecting. But there are so many people that die and don't have hope. And they're miserable in this life. So hope in this life we'll see that a little later, gives us positive things in this life, but also it carries us forward to we're expecting something beyond. And so that, you know, we believe, but that's not enough. We need the hope to bolster our faith, to carry us through, to give us that anticipation, that expectation that we're going to receive something good. And hope is always based in something good. It's never... Uh, we never hope for something bad. We, we don't want to experience anything bad. The hypocrite, those negative things that we saw, their hope is going to be bad because it's going to be death and they're going to be uh, disappointed. They're going to be in despair. They're going to be disappointed. Same instance of hopelessness. Now, uh, we're going to switch from that to a more positive application. And I want to go to the uh, verses that is in the introduction of the message, and that's Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse 5 and 11. And Psalm 43, verse 5, all three of these are alike. And it's in the midst of uh, what uh, David is uh, saying here in the psalm, Verse 8, uh, well, go back up to verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted in me? Hope you in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And then down in verse 11, he repeats this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope you in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And then in chapter 43, uh, verse 5, another psalm, he repeats this. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so we need to hope in God. We need to make Him the object. Part of the, part of the object of hope is God. We'll see that and other things. But so often, you know, the wicked, the right, the unrighteous, the hypocrite, they don't hope 
Because they don't know God. They don't hope in God. They don't hope for something good. And the result will be, hoping in God will be blessings of good health and knowing God. In Colossians, the first chapter, verse 27. Now, there are, I, I didn't uh, cover all of them, but there are a couple of dozen references that make God or Jesus Christ the object of our hope. So we hope in God, just like David said in another psalm, my hope is in God. That is the very first foundation basis that we want to have our hope based in God, which means God's word, his way, and uh, that's explained in some of those other verses that we're not going to look at today. But I want to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. And he goes on uh, telling about the things, the, the top topic and the subjects of his preaching. But notice here, this is a mystery that many people don't understand. How Christ in us is the hope of glory. Now what he means is, we have Christ in us, we have the Holy Spirit. We just have a little bit of the blessings of future glory that will be revealed. And so, the more we have of Christ, the more we have anticipation and expectation that we're going to be like God and we're going to have Christ in us in the fullness. And so, that gives us great joy and and great love and appreciation and thanksgiving to God who has revealed Jesus Christ in us. Christ in us. So we can ask ourselves as we go, how much is Christ in me? How much of the hope of glory do I have in comparison and anticipation of what I have a little bit now of the great anticipation of the much that I'll have later? Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And uh, verse... 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end that you be not slothful but followers of them that through faith and patience inherit the promises. And skip on down. Verse 17. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that which uh, within the veil. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so two things God has, his promise and his oath. 
we're heirs. We're not inheritors yet. We haven't received the promise yet of that eternal reward. We're only heirs of that. We're, we're going to participate in it. We believe and we trust and we hope that our reward will be great. So when we inherit that, then we're going to be an inheritor. But notice that God has given us this strong hope as an anchor of our soul. Now, we know a ship, uh, the indication here, it isn't explained fully, but the indication is like a ship that's in a storm or it's in the harbor and it's uh, usually uh, not out in mid-ocean. They wouldn't, they just ride out the storm. But at a time where they wanted to stop or anchored or be secured or be saved, they would throw out their anchor and it would anchor into the ground and that cable attached to the ship would give them stability. And so that is what faith does to us. In the midst of storms of life, the anticipation, the expectation, because we're troubled right now. We have a lot of aggravations, a lot of things going on in our life. But hope that we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. That hope, that expectation is positive. It's good. It's like that ocean bed. It's strong. It's secure. Once you anchor into it, it's there. It's anchored in. But our anchor is not in the ocean. It's in Christ. It's in God. It's in the heavenly realm. Our anchor is attached to Him. So it's sure and a sure foundation and steadfast because, you know, heaven and earth pass away. This earth, you know, it'll be changed. It'll always be here. It passed away in the present form that we have. But God's Word, His presence, Himself, all of that is secure and steadfast. So that's where our anchor is, is uh, anchored. Sure and steadfast in Him. 1 Corinthians 13. We're all so familiar with this, the love chapter. We call it uh, the love chapter of uh, Corinthians. And uh, just go to the last part here. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abides faith, hope, charity, or love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. And so in the midst of faith and love, we have hope. Those three things that go hand in hand, like I said, and even other uh, references that they match up with other phrases that are used that we won't uh, look at today. So between the belief that we have, between the faith that we have, and the realization of that, we have hope to bolster us and to carry us through. And so how are we feeling right about now between what we have received of God, of Christ, the salvation, that we are being saved, will be saved, shall be saved, might be saved, are saved. This process of salvation, we haven't totally made it yet, have we? But we have hope to carry us through and to give us uh, the additional um, companion to that faith and that realization. Now, look at uh, a few scriptures here. We uh, looked at this a little earlier there, I think, at uh, Colossians 1, 27. Um, I, did, we, did we look at that? Uh, Colossians were faith, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes, we looked at that. Let's go to First Peter. Um, and uh, chapter 1, 1 Peter 
chapter 1, verse 3 and 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And I was talking about that uh, process of salvation that's being worked out in our life. Our initial conversion process, overcoming and growing and holding steady to the end. How lively is our hope? How strong is it? How full of energy? Is it strong hope and with enthusiasm and excitement and energy of what we're going to receive and the expectation? And that's why we can do good. We can lend to someone not expecting to receive it back. We can give, and I didn't go on through the rest of those verses, but it says as God rewards us that he will give us good measure, pressed down and running over, shall God give into your bosoms. And how many times we've seen that? We've, we've given when it hurts, and we just, we just did it, and then it's come back to us in a, in a blessing, maybe not in dollars, but in other blessings in other ways. And we see, yeah. I'm glad I did that because God has blessed me full measure, pressed down, and running over. And so we have that lively hope. We have that energy and expectation that carries us through. Psalm 146, verse 5. Happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So whenever trials and difficulties and, and problems occur, our hope is in God. Our hope is in his word and what he'll do for us and how he'll reward us and bless us. If we're right, if we're following him and trusting in him, he's not going to let us down. He's going to be a good Father and, and share and help us and bless us beyond what we can even expect and prepare in this life. Now, I uh, want to look at some um, interesting uh, scriptures here, a few, as we close, because out of 142 references where the English word hope is used as a noun or as a verb or in, in a couple of its other forms, a very few. Uh, obviously, as I said, you know, we can't look at all of those today, but uh, we'll just uh, share a few verses here that are uh, kind of interesting. And Romans, go back there to chapter 8, Romans 8. And uh, verse 24 and 25. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, 
why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Now, he's talking in here uh, in the book of Romans about justification. And uh, he has a lot of references to faith and to grace and to hope. And the realization that we are saved by hope. Now, think about this a minute. But there's other scriptures that says, like in Ephesians, we're saved by grace through faith. Remember? We're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But nevertheless, we need good works and good deeds. It's expected of us to have good works and good deeds. But that doesn't save us. Keeping the law, obeying the law, and being righteous according to the law, just being good, and a law keep, doesn't save us. We're saved by faith. We're saved by hope. We're saved by grace. All of those tell us this process that we're saved by believing. Because Jesus said, remember, he said, if you don't believe in me, you can't save. You can't have eternal life. This is why it's important to believe to the end. To have faith to the end, as he's saying here. To hope to the end. Uh, but if we hope for that we see not. Now, let's talk a little bit about this thing of salvation. Because this, this confuses some people a little bit. Because we read in the scriptures that we are saved. That we might be saved. We shall be saved. And so it's a process. We have God's Holy Spirit now. We're converted. So God imputes righteousness to us, even though we, as human beings, still have faults and failures and sins. And it should, we shouldn't be. As Christians, we shouldn't. But the reality is that we do have. But God imputes, he attributes righteousness to us as if we were righteous. He imputes it to us. And so we can count that even though we're heirs, we haven't received the promise. We haven't fully, totally been saved yet. We're not in the spirit. We're not born again. We're converted. We're heirs, not inheritors. So in one sense, we're saved because we've passed from death to life. We've passed from unbelief to belief. We've passed from lack of faith to faith. From lack of hope to hope. We've, we've gone uh, through a, a process of conversion. And so we count it that we're saved but we know we gotta, we got to just endure to the end. Then, if we endure to the end, we shall be saved totally and completely. So it's, it's a process. And so to carry us through that process, God has given us and recognizes something very important, and that is hope. How strong is our hope? How good is our hope? And what is our hope anchored? And... Like uh, the psalmist said at one time, my hope is in his word. And so we can trust, we know that God's word is true, and so we hope in that. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. I picked out, I mean, if, if we looked at all 142 of those verses, every one of them we're familiar with and we know. And... Um, we appreciate them, just as we appreciate here in Hebrews 11th chapter, 
verse 1. Now faith is the substance. And this word means the assurance or the confidence. Faith is knowing for sure, having confidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. We can't see God. We can't see His Holy Spirit. We can see the manifestations of that. We can see the evidence of it. We can see the proving of that. And so our faith is proven by things that we don't see, but by the things that we, the results and the things that we can attest to and we know for sure, because faith and hope, faith is the substance or the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Let's go to 1 John, the third chapter. We have just a couple more references here. 1 John, the third chapter. I had just uh, one verse, but I'm going to begin in verse 1. Brian, if you can back up to verse 1. Okay. No, you're quick. You're faster on that than I am here. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now... Are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is, as God is pure. So as Christ is, when he returns, that's our hope. We're going to be like him. We'll be perfected. The weakness that we have will be swallowed up in death. We'll put on immortality. We'll put on a spirit body and an eternal spirit that will live forever and ever with him. And we have that hope. And so that hope purifies ourselves as he is pure. So... We're going to be like him. That's a lively hope in Jesus Christ to be like him. We'll see him as he is in his full character, in his spirit realm, and we'll be like that. Now, in closing, uh, let's go back to uh, Peter. First uh, Peter, the first chapter. And verse 13. Here's words to us. Wherefore, Gird up the loins of your mind. Okay. Uh, a few weeks ago, Matt Steele didn't have a belt on. And today I've got a belt, and I've also got suspenders. <laughs> now, I, you know, I started wearing suspenders uh, a couple of years ago when I had a gallbladder surgery and lost a lot of weight, and I, lost, I used suspenders to hold my trousers up, and now I've gained back some of that weight here. And... Uh, I don't know if I told Matthew this or not, but uh, one time many years ago, back in the 1960s, uh, when Dave Antion was our uh, pastor here, we were meeting at the uh, uh, YWCA downtown, 
and he uh, saw me before services, and he whispered to me, he said, uh, because he lived in Oklahoma City, and he would come up Sabbath morning for services, him and Molly, or him, or someone with him, and then they'd go back for afternoon services in Oklahoma City, where he lived, and he'd be there for their club that night, or for uh, being at home, and he said, uh, you know, he says, I ran off and left my belt. Would you loan me my, would you loan me your belt today? And I said, okay, so I loaned him my belt, and so he could feel secure, I guess, uh, up here with a belt on preaching, so his trousers would, like, wouldn't fall off, you know. And uh, so a few weeks later, uh, during Sabbath services, he was preaching, and he, thought, he said, Lawrence Gregory, come up here. And I had no idea. I, I, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know, so I trembling, you know, uh, went up there to the stage, and Dave Antion, and did his belt like that. I won't do it. Stripped it out and handed it to me. He said, here's your belt back. <laughs> right before the congregation. And uh, so I got my belt back. But the point is, you know, guys and women, we wear a belt and we snug up our trousers, right? So we hold our trousers up. Now, my wife and I, we get so aggravated. Like I, I told you about the, the guys that were going into, I was going into the mall over at uh, one time. And there's a couple of guys that parked in the garage ahead of me, and they were going along, and they were holding up their, you know how they do this, they're down here, and they're holding them up. And, and the guys were going ahead of me and going up the stairs, and I was going to the music store there on the second floor. And I told one of the guys, I said, young guys, I said, uh, you need a belt. He said, what? And I said, you need a belt. And he says, I got a belt. And I thought, I thought to myself, he didn't have that belt with him. <laughs> but... Uh, they go along like that. Have you seen them? How many of you have seen those guys going along, holding up their trousers? I don't want to give them. And like I told that one kid in Walmart, I said, you need to get you some suspenders. He said, that's a good idea. I sure need them. Because he was going along holding his trousers up as he was leading me to the, where the object was that I was wanting to uh, check out. And, uh, hey, all of this, that's our mind. Uh, put a belt on your mind, gird up our mind, strengthen it, hold it up, make it positive, make it strong, make it, uh, what, what, what analogies and comparisons and what more can I say uh, than what Paul, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, get away from that alcohol, hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. I've got to continue on because he's, he's got, his sentence goes on a couple more verses. But as he which has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation, conduct, because it is written, be you holy, for I am holy. So, let's gird up our mind. Let's be positive. Let's have hope. Let's hope to the end for those things that we are going to receive. And our hope will be realized and we'll be like him for we'll see him as he is. That's, that's a wonderful hope. You know, aren't we, so, aren't we special that God has revealed that and given to us his plan and purpose of salvation that we can know this and we see so much of the world lying without hope, without Christ, without a buffer for their 
life to be able to endure and to bolster them up, to experience the things that are coming, that they don't have an anchor for their soul, that they just drift here and there and disappointed and commit suicide. And look at, look at how many people, young people, are frustrated and aggravated, committing suicide because they don't have any hope. It's not, they don't have an anchor for their soul. We're being saved. We shall be saved. Our hope, our bolsters, is in our faith and our hope and our love and the grace. In closing, a few questions. How strong is our hope? How good is our hope? What do we hope for? Who do we hope in and for?